Repression is a defense mechanism involving the unconscious blocking of emotions or memories, usually because they're too painful or uncomfortable. Examples of repressed memories are those of child abuse, childhood accidents like being bitten by a dog or falling from a tree, and sometimes even supernatural experiences. You're listening to Stories After Dark, a Philippine true crime and mystery podcast powered by Anchor and released exclusively on Spotify with new episodes out every week. This is a story titled A Philippine Ghost Story published on the No Sleep subreddit by Redditor Pemrelino about ghost stories and supernatural encounters of the writer's mother and one in particular that the writer apparently repressed. I like a good ghost story. When I was younger, there were these series of books called Haunted Philippines and True Philippine Ghost Stories that contained ghost stories and paranormal experiences from various people across the country. Some stories were in English while the rest were in Tagalog. They were quick to read and had numerous volumes. Sometimes they even had a section of ghost pictures near the end. You know the kind, landscape or family pictures with a blurry figure circled in red. Some of them actually looked convincing and downright creepy. I love that series, though I should have enjoyed them while they lasted. As of last year, they seem to have been discontinued and are difficult to find in bookstores. To me, these books were just good entertainment. Growing up in the Philippines provided no shortage of ghost stories and mythical legends. It seemed like everyone had a story to tell or knew someone who had one. I've had a handful of relatives in my family who claim to have had encounters with a ghost, or multo as we call them in our native tongue. I never thought I'd have my own stories to share, but that quickly changed very recently. My family and I had recently taken a trip back to the Philippines. It was long overdue as I had not seen my relatives in my home country in several years. It was a bit strange to see all my younger cousins grown up. It was a great experience just to see them all again and spend time with them. On our first week there, we were on our way back to my aunt's house from a long day of shopping when the conversation in the car turned to supernatural occurrences. Our culture is heavy on religion and tradition, and we can be very superstitious at times. There are numerous stories of mythical monsters in Filipino culture, and hearing about them from my parents and relatives only furthered my interest. They included the Tikbalang, a monster that frequented the forests and the mountains, described as a large humanoid creature with the head and limbs of a horse. So, basically, Bojack Horseman. The Capre was more of a tale for kids, described as a tall, troll-like creature that resides in large trees, where it smokes a cigar waiting to scare off children that are out too late at night. The Capre is usually regarded as non-violent though. Another one is a Tianak, and they're the stuff of nightmares. In remote areas near forests, you'd hear the faint crying of a baby. If you follow these sounds deep into the woods, it could lead you to being perpetually lost. Or if you were really unlucky, you'd find the source. You'd stumble upon what looks like a baby on the ground, but in actuality, it's a small ghastly creature that will transform and eat you if you got too close. Then there's the Aswang, a shapeshifter that feeds on human flesh at night. A specific species of them called the Manananggal, which translates literally to remover, is a particularly terrifying one. By day, it's in the form of a regular woman, but by night, it sets out to feed, rooting its legs to the ground. As its top half detaches itself, sprouts bat-like wings and takes flight. 
It mainly targets pregnant women, and it has long vine-like tongues that slither down and eat the fetus as they hover right outside the window of its prey. I know, pretty crazy stuff, right? I've always regarded these tales with a healthy amount of salt and a full dose of fear. They were cool and unique, but I could happily live the rest of my life not encountering any of them if they were indeed real. Even when I moved to America, I was still wary of those regional creatures. During the car ride, my cousins spoke of strange sightings and experiences they've had, all with varying degrees of believability and silliness. My dad relayed some tales from his younger years about how his group of friends had encountered this and that. He was always ever so dramatic with his storytelling. It was all in good fun, but throughout the whole conversation, my mom remained quiet. She was the hard skeptic type and would always dismiss those stories as silly folklore. However, at that moment, it looked like she had something to say. My curiosity took over and I finally asked her if she had any ghostly encounters. She looked at me and nodded. Back during her college years, when she was studying to be a nurse, she lived on the campus of a very old school not too far from the city I was born in. Living conditions were pretty tough and four of them had to share a room half the size of a normal American college dorm. On top of that, the campus used to be an infirmary during World War II. Hundreds of soldiers from both sides passed through and died within the walls of that hospital. Residents of the dorms would speak of strange noises in the night. Footsteps, faint echoes, and knocking were heard in certain parts of the building. They also said you could hear children's laughter in the walls if you listened closely. On more than one occasion, my mom and her roommates would wake up to faint shuffling noises in the room, like someone small was moving about. When they looked around, they wouldn't see anyone, so they dismissed it and went back to sleep. It wouldn't be until the following morning that they would see what looked like footprints on the walls and ceiling. They were the size of a child's. One of her roommates moved out after that. One night, a close friend of my mom was heading back to her room after a late study session. She was wary of the supernatural, so she kept her head down and walked quickly through the halls. As she passed by one of the empty rooms, something caught her eye. That large room used to be a triage area when the place was still a hospital. The old rusted beds were left there abandoned and the room was used for storage. She said she saw half a dozen men lying on the beds. They looked injured and bandaged, and they wore what looked like the uniform of American soldiers from World War II. She stood frozen in place as she felt the coldest chill she'd ever experienced in her life. Then one of the soldiers sat straight up and slowly turned towards her. That was enough to snap her back to her senses, and she took off running to her room. When she got to her dorm and told her friends what she had seen, the braver ones of the group headed to the haunted room to investigate. When they got there, the beds were empty. Ever the skeptic, my mom didn't put much stock in those stories. That is, until one early morning when she experienced something that challenged her stance and bothers her to this day. In the mornings before classes, my mom would wake up extra early so she can get first dibs on the showers in the community bathrooms. It wasn't too hard, since a lot of the residents had convinced themselves that the place really was haunted and were unwilling to venture out on their own that early. My mom mostly ignored those stories and she always got to class early. That morning, she did her usual routine and it went off without a hitch. As she was walking back to her room, she heard it. She said it sounded like whispers. She stopped and turned around, 
Down the hallway, a figure stood just at the edge of darkness. The lights weren't in the best condition in that wing, so it was dim. Still, my mom could discern that the figure was dressed like a nun, which didn't make sense since there were no nuns on campus and the nearest church was several miles away. Staying completely calm, my mom turned and walked away. She quickened her pace and her own footsteps echoed in the empty hall. She strained to hear any other noises but heard none. When she turned to another hallway, she saw the nun from the corner of her eye. It was closer and definitely following her. As she got closer to her dorm, she turned around once more. The nun was at the end of the hall just as far away from her when she first saw it. The nun stood still as if she'd been standing there the whole time. My mom quickly reached her door and struggled to unlock it. Daring one more look, she turned to her left but the nun was gone. Relieved, she turned the lock and as she did, she moved to pick up her stuff which she had dropped in panic and she felt an unnaturally cold chill. She slowly looked to her right and it was there, the nun on the other end of the hall. Except now she was much closer and fully in the light. On instinct, my mom turned the knob and threw her door open and that's when the child ran out. A small kindergarten aged child ran out of her dorm room, brushed past her leg and ran towards the nun. The child was laughing innocently as if playing a game of tag. My mom watched as the child ran past the nun and disappeared into another room. After a few moments, the nun turned and followed the child. My mom asked around after that experience and learned that the last time there were children or nuns in the campus was back when it was a temporary orphanage several years ago. They shut it down after a tragic fire killed a dozen children and a few nuns looking after them. She never experienced anything else out of the ordinary after that. After she told that story, we all sat stunned in our seats. Mom had been holding out on me. I was thrilled but also terrified of what I just heard. See, at the time, I had a passive interest in the paranormal. It wasn't anything serious and nowhere near obsession level. I wasn't out to prove that the afterlife existed nor was I determined to see if ghosts and spirits were real to find some sort of meaning in this chaotic world. Did I believe in the supernatural? Not really, but I'd be open to the possibility. My interest in the subject was purely recreational, like someone who enjoys horror movies or knitting sweaters. In fact, while I like reading up on urban legends and enjoy hearing ghost stories, I'm also terrified by them. My imagination fueled by stuff I've read and scary movies I've watched would always get the best of me when I'm alone in the dark. It was a sort of interesting paradox, kinda like how at one point in my childhood I was fascinated by snakes but I was deathly afraid of encountering one out in the wild. To be honest, I was a bit jealous of my mom that she had such a cool story to tell. I wished at that moment I had my own story. Well, you know what they say about being careful what you wish for. Later on in the trip, we visited my uncle who lived a few towns over. There he lived with his family where he ran a very lucrative farming business. On the way there, we passed a long bridge that went over a steep ravine with a river below. As our car rode along the bridge, I couldn't help but feel a sense of deja vu. It made sense since I'd traveled over this bridge many times before when I visited my uncle and cousins. However, underneath that feeling was a sense of unadulterated fear and dread. Like something bad had happened here and it somehow directly affected me a distant memory, screaming to be remembered. 
As if on cue, my dad pointed out that this bridge was infamous to the surrounding towns and cities because of a white lady. Now, like the Capra and Tikbalang, the white lady is another one of the ubiquitous ghost stories told all around the country. She is perhaps the most well-known since different countries also have their own version. In America, she is usually called the Lady in White. In Spanish culture, she is La Llorona. The basic idea remains the same. A ghostly-looking woman in a long white dress and with long dark hair stands on the side of isolated roads, waiting to hitch a ride. The scenarios vary, but in the Philippines, if you stopped and gave her a ride, she would quietly enter your backseat. But if you don't interact with her, she'll leave you alone until she disappears from your car some distance later. If you see her on the road and keep driving, she will suddenly appear in your car and attack you. The moral is, it's better to give her a ride than not. When we arrived at my uncle's large house, I still couldn't shake the feeling that the bridge had somehow directly affected me. After a delicious dinner and a round of video games with my cousins, I found my uncle out in the balcony having a drink. He offered me a beer since I was finally old enough, and I took a seat next to him. Hey Tito, do you remember anything about that bridge right outside of town? I asked. He put his drink down and regarded me for a few moments. He cut straight to the chase. You were really young when it happened, he said. I suppose you didn't remember it much. Now I was fully intrigued. I had to know. What exactly happened? I asked. His warm smile faded and he told his tale. As the story went on, the memories began to flood my mind. Memories that I had long since repressed as a defense mechanism. All the details came to me in excruciating clarity as if it happened just yesterday. By the time he had finished the story, there was no denying it. I had encountered a ghost all those years ago. It was the mid-90s and I was still living in the Philippines. I was a plucky six-year-old who was all about adventure and exploring. Once or twice a week, I would spend the night at my uncle's farm, back then a small budding business. The town it was in was smaller then and fairly remote. I loved that place because there were so many areas to explore but only in the daytime. One particular night, I was over at his place just watching TV. My uncle got a call for a new delivery of chicken feed that needed to be picked up in the next town. At the time, he only had a few farmhands and they all had the night off. Usually, he wouldn't make a supply run this late at night, but he was behind schedule and needed to pick up the supplies or risk losing profit. As he headed out, he asked me if I wanted to tag along. Ever the restless child, I immediately agreed. My uncle had an old Toyota SUV that he used for all his delivery pickups. I sat in the second row, my usual spot, while my uncle slid into the driver's seat. Most of the voyage was uneventful. It was nearly 11 p.m., so there were hardly any other vehicles on the road. Upon crossing the bridge the first time, nothing happened. During that time, the bridge was newly constructed. It was built a year earlier after the original bridge was ravaged by the last typhoon. The city even put streetlights on the new bridge for better visibility. That was a huge deal since none of the other surrounding roads had streetlights. We arrived at the next town and I helped my uncle load up the supplies. Well, at least as much as a six-year-old can. On the way back home was when it happened. I was sitting in the back seat, absent-mindedly looking out the window when I felt the car slow down. We were almost at the bridge and I noticed that something wasn't right. I was too small to see over the seat and out the windshield, but I could tell that all the lights on the bridge were off. At this point, the car slowed to a crawl. Hey kid, my uncle said, why don't you lie down and take a nap? 
Something in his voice didn't sound right. It sounded like he was scared and was struggling to hide it. No, that's okay. I'm not tired, I said. Please just do it for me, okay? He sounded stern but measured. My uncle was usually an easygoing guy, so when he got serious, you know you should pay attention. Okay, I said, as I lay down on the seat sideways. I briefly saw my uncle's eyes in the rearview mirror. They showed unmistakable fear. I felt the familiar bump that signaled that we were on the bridge. Then, the car stopped. Close your eyes, okay? He said. No matter what, keep them closed. Okay, I answered. I started to get scared. I didn't know what was happening or why I had to close my eyes. Regardless, I shut them tight. Then, the strangest thing happened. My uncle started to sing. It was a traditional Filipino folk song and I'd only heard it once before. About a year earlier, my aunt and uncle got into a shouting match, as in things were thrown across the room type of shouting match. I was at their house at the time and my cousins and I stayed in the room cowering and waiting for the storm to pass. An hour later, my uncle entered the room and apologized for the shouting. He then started singing that song to lull us to sleep. The melody was beautiful and I'd never known my uncle could sing that well. He never did it again, at least not until that moment when we were on that bridge. The song sounded just as beautiful, but I could tell his voice was shaking. His car wasn't that big, but I was a small child and there was a lot of room in the second row. I was lying down on the seat perpendicular to the windows, crying and hoping for sleep to come. Instead, something else arrived. I heard the familiar mechanism of the headlights flashing. All of a sudden, I sensed that I wasn't alone in that second row anymore. My spatial awareness of the car told me that there was someone or something else sitting right next to me. We had gained another passenger. I shut my eyes even tighter as my uncle drove again. The temperature inside the car became cold. I curled myself into a ball seeking refuge from whatever it was that was now right next to me. I didn't know much about ghosts and supernatural creatures at that age and though I couldn't see it, something told me that I was in the presence of something not of this world. My uncle finished the song and started over again. I was amazed that he was able to keep his composure. I refused to open my eyes. I could hear her, so uncomfortably close next to me. At first, I heard what sounded like clicking. As it increased in volume, it sounded like stalks of celery being twisted and broken. It was unnerving. Those sounds weren't normal, and they sounded like they were coming from all around me. We finally crossed the bridge, but our supernatural passenger was still there. I was so scared I could barely move. Then the car hit a bump which caused me to slide to the side, closer to her. I felt damp cloth against my leg. My breaths became shallow and I started to cry. I don't know what compelled me to do it, but I opened my eyes for a split second and in that split second I saw her. A brief flash of white with stringy damp hair on her head, blacker than night. She was turned away from me. I blinked the tears from my eyes. When I opened them again, the mass of black hair was now right in front of my face. I shut my eyes tight again. After what seemed like an eternity, the car hit a familiar curve on the road that signaled the entrance into our town. I felt the entity come even closer to me. By this time, my uncle was silent. No more songs. The air became even colder right next to my face and I shook, not from the cold but from terror. Then she spoke right into my ear. It was a hushed whisper, 
lower than any whisper I'd ever heard. I couldn't make out what she said at the time. It didn't sound threatening or angry. It sounded sad. And then she was gone. I immediately felt the difference. I could no longer feel another presence in the car, and the air went from cold to tropical humid again. I heard my uncle breathe a sigh of relief. I didn't open my eyes until we had reached the safety of the farm. My uncle had to carry me back inside and straight into my bed, and only then did I open my eyes. From what I could recall, we never spoke of that night to anyone, not even to each other, ever again. Subsequent trips across the bridge at night never resulted in another white lady sighting, at least not for me. I'd find out later that in the early 80s, a woman was found dead at the bottom of that bridge. People said that she was traveling to the next town and was hoping to catch a ride with any passing vehicle. It was late at night and she had no family nearby that could help her. No one knows what really happened, but many suspected that it was murder. After my trip back to the Philippines, I couldn't stop thinking about that night at the bridge. How could I forget such an incredible and terrifying experience? I guess it doesn't matter since I remember it now. But there was something else I realized about that night, something I hadn't remembered before. When I heard her whisper, I thought I only heard unintelligible garble. But that's not true. She did say something. She said maraming salamat. Translated to English, that means thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Stories After Dark, a Spotify exclusive powered by Anchor. This story was produced by me, Derek, and the story I narrated was written by Redditor Pem Ralino. Music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Stay tuned next week for a new episode, and to make sure you're updated about the show, please follow Stories After Dark on your Spotify app as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to see the references used for this episode, suggest cases, send personal stories, or further support the show, you can go to storiesafterdark.ph for more information. All of the links are in the episode description.